Hey, you, Prime members, you can listen to Three Little Words ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. This podcast is brought to you by Quorn, the nation's favourite meat-free brand. Quorn is a great partner for this show because now, more than ever, we should all be thinking about the impact of the food that we eat. For each podcast, we're given a new fact about our sponsor, Quorn, which Tony delivers with some aplomb. I'm going to deliver this quack with aplomb. You save greenhouse gas emissions equivalent to charging your phone for two years by swapping beef mince for Quorn mince in just one meal. Just read that again. You save greenhouse gas emissions equivalent to charging your phone for two years by swapping beef mince for quormins in just one meal. Just one meal. Yo, I haven't eaten meat for decades and I remember when being a vegetarian or a vegan was pretty unusual. But now it's become much more mainstream because of the health and environmental benefits. So if cutting down on meat is something that you're looking to do, you'll find that corn's a great option. Your last day of vacation and you found time for a deep tissue massage followed by a long mud bath then a two-hour nap because you're an American Express Platinum Guard member and booked your stay at a fine hotel and resort through Amex Travel, which means a 4 p.m. checkout. And those relaxing vacation vibes can keep going at the airport in the Centurion Lounge. Just a splash. Before you board the plane back to reality. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your travel experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Welcome to Three Little Words. It's the podcast where a guest picks three words that mean something to them. They can be words that bring back memories or words that explain a bit more about who they are. And at the end, we ask them for one word that they will happily never hear again. It's that simple. I'm John Bishop. Tony Pitt is here too. He knows more about words than anyone I know. He's a writer actor and it says on this piece of paper an all-round good bloke so he obviously wrote this intro himself tony no, i didn't you? write the intro but i did read the intro and i did wonder how you were going to broach <laughs> that line i wondered if it was just going to flow from your mouth and you were going to say he knows more about words than anybody you know and he's a very good bloke but no no, there, no, there's no. something that got stuck no. in the claw. To be honest with you, I... But it's I, fine. No, I, but, I, but it's wrong. I don't see myself as a good bloke. I don't think I've ever met anybody who would no, say no. he's a good bloke. It's not a thing that you say, is no, it? You, no. you, you say that about somebody who's a lumberjack. Who's a good bloke. He's a good bloke. He's a good bloke. He's he a good cut bloke. down yeah. trees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, not, when you're recommending a plumber, you might yeah. say he's a good yeah, bloke. He's a, good he's bloke. a decent man. Yeah, 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 yeah. Whereas I think you're more than that, Tony. Uh, so. I like to think so. Anyway, today we've got a really intriguing guest and somebody that I'm really looking forward to meeting. I know you've met before, Tony, because today's guest is a businesswoman and author, Melanie Blake. She wrote The Thunder Girls, which was a best-selling novel. Uh, she's got a new novel coming out, which I'm sure we're going to come on to. Thunder Girls has been adapted into a play, which will tour in 2021. Uh, she worked... In music as a manager and represented some of the Britain's biggest soap stars. And in some way, you've had so many lives, Melanie, and so many layers of lives it's that I've read about. It's hard to cut it down. That yeah. it's hard to cut down. However, yeah. there is one standout quote that okay. seems to pop up over the internet. Oh, God, here we go. It says, Melanie Blake is Jackie Collins for a new generation. Basically, I never said that. Well, I know, but that yeah. would be you talking about yourself in the third place. Yeah, well, people do do that. But no, I never said that. And weirdly, I'm definitely not. So all that happened there was that there's a connection between the genres. So no one really writes what they call a bunk buster. 
anymore. So it either went into erotic fiction, mm. well, or erotic crap, which was what Fifty Shades of Grey was, mm. or basically the Bonk Buster, which is what Jackie Collins, Jilly Cooper, Shelley Conran uh, were known for. No one had done it in years. So I wrote The Thunder Girls, which actually isn't a bonk buster and because I sort of had that sort of look and a connection to Jackie Collins which we'll talk about later I got that tag so uh, wh- but sorry can I just yeah, clarify a bonk buster is, is full of sex is a book full of sex that's right that one is not the next one is pure filth I've not heard the word bonk meaning sex right for is it still in Poland well so? that's how out of date and, that and genre had gone oh blockbuster bonk buster yeah bonk buster yeah. That's so. That's how. So that's why they called me the have new Jack Collins. Have you got Mel Blake's latest bonk buster? I might say in a shop. This one will definitely be under bonk, massively, <laughs> and many other words. Like so, this this next book, which is called Ruthless Women, which is out in February, and which is out in hardback, which anyone who writes will know is a hard deal to get into hardback. They always put you in paperback just to see whether you do it or not. It is really, really, really dirty, but not in a bad way. In a good way. It happened organically. Talking of books, books contain words. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. We, 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 could, we could carry on just chatting, but what I'd like oh, to God, do... Oh, God, yeah, no, rather no, than that. listen, I'm really interested in finding so many things out about you, but yeah. particularly because you've run parallel parallel careers and particularly because you, you've had these so many things going. And I'm sure all that will come out. So the, I've yeah, got yeah. to ask you now, Go first of all, to tell us what your first word is. Okay, so my first word is childhood. Childhood? Yeah. Childhood? Childhood. Right, Tony. Now, I don't know your words. Uh, Tony knows everyone's words, so he's able to do a bit of research on them beforehand. What can you say about childhood? Okay, well, hood was uh, existed as a freestanding word, uh, but now only survives in this suffix. It's got its roots like... Many of our words do in Latin. It's a Proto-Indo-European word. The Old English word bairn, or bairn, still used, is related. Childhood, a child could uh, at one point meant uh, just the child or the son or the descendant. So that's changed over time. More interestingly, I think there are a couple of things. One's the cognitive development of childhood, and I discovered that... um, the philosopher John Locke, I think this is around, yeah, to be the 17th century, wrote about ch- uh, childhood as a separate entity. And previous to that point, children were often just seen as incomplete versions of adults mm. rather than being children, as we understand them now. And then I've just got a couple of quotes. The first one will be, the day that we fret about the future is the day that we leave our childhood behind. Because there's that thing of being a kid, everything just feels like one long day, right? You, you just live in one long day. Supposed to. Yeah, supposed to. A wonderful one from uh, Zuzak, who said, if only we could be so oblivious again to feel such love without knowing it, mistaking it for laughter. Which is beautiful. And then finally, a little bit of a hero of mine, Jim Henson, said, kids don't remember you by the things that you try to teach them. They remember you for who you are. So, Melanie, why did you, why did you pick? I never had a childhood, ever. So, so I'm from a very um, extreme, uh, mixed-up family of 
born again Christianity, which isn't really born again Christianity. It's a it's an offshoot of a crazy sect of it. Um, heavy duty Catholicism, which was again so extreme that it was like you couldn't move for statues and holy water being sprayed if anyone's seen carry or oranges are not the only fruit welcome to my early years so i think that childhood is something that is so special and so i've been a step parent myself so i have 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 been able to give children for a period of years a childhood that i would have loved to have had and i find childhood really interesting because if you've if you come from a i don't just don't come from a broken home i come from like a nuclear bombed home just explain that first of all yeah. you 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 had your two parents yeah yeah and the, the, you were with both of them yeah did you have any siblings one brother older or younger he's older by three years okay and so you you said there was a very Catholic family. Now I know a bit about your history, but obviously half and people half. listen. Yeah, don't. No, you just explain when you just yeah. said that phrase that it wasn't a broken home. It was more like nuclear, nuclear explosion. Yeah. So what happened was, so my mum, who is no longer with us, married my dad because he had a car. Things never go well if you start there. No, but it's better but, than marrying him because he's got a van. Yeah, yeah, or a bike. A van, like a lack of ambition. Or a, horse. A, yeah. a van would, a van would have been more useful. Yeah. So basically, um, my mum was pregnant at, um, I think, sixteen, married at seventeen, and uh, had me at twenty, and uh, she was very young, and so really, she never really lived a life. Never really sort of had one. My dad was ten years older, and. Um, my dad uh, was quite an okay kind of guy at that period and basically they met married in the 70s, what people did, and everything was kind of normal. So I don't consider childhood to sort of be like naught to five because I don't really know anything about that sort of period. I wouldn't really remember it. No, I, you I can develop. In yeah, I consider it more about like from when you remember, like you remember your first day at big school or you remember your first whatever. So apparently it was all quite normal at that stage. And then when I was six my dad just came home to we had like a sort of brookside house it wasn't an awful house it was mm. like a sort of uh, semi-detached and a bit of a close in a not a great area but you know just fine i mean it was it was it was a step up from a terrace which mm. is where they'd both they'd both come from so my dad had worked like he had a printing shop at the time where, and where was this this is this was all in stockport and greater manchester okay. and without any warning at all with no preamble, with no awareness, suddenly my dad fell in with a religious cult that their rule was, if it isn't written in the Bible, it is not the way to live your life, which meant that you only lived according to the scripture and the detail. And he literally came home like a man possessed, destroyed everything that was we would call it pop culture now but so barbies and toys and posters and stuff went in the bin anything that wasn't in the bible was considered a false idol so i'm six here and i've got a memory so i know so this is my childhood so i know this so but at the same time my brain was also massively developed because i did have great grandparents that i could 
see on a weekend. So whilst my parents didn't really have time for me, my brother was old enough that there was enough of a gap that we wouldn't really talk either because they were there. I sort of had quite a sort of a great escapism at weekends where I'd sort of learn and I would hear and I would sort of think, okay, this is not normal. What's what's in my house? This is not normal. This is normal. This is not normal. So it got stronger and stronger as the that sort of years went on, six to seven to eight, to things, television would be banned. So I'd have to hide like music posters, put them inside my wardrobe doors. So I wasn't allowed to do anything like that. We wouldn't go anywhere. We never went on holiday. We weren't allowed to have friends. We weren't allowed to have anyone round. Wow. And it became stricter and stricter and stricter to the point of we would be forced to, I will always remember it till the day that I die and there was a table and chairs in the kitchen. It was a really small house. I used to come in through the front door and to the right, there was a doorway that led into the kitchen. And in that corner, I mean, smaller, no, not much bigger than the room we're in now, there was a, a table with two benches. And one bench was on the outside, which meant you could get in and out of it. And one bench was on the inside, which meant if you sat on that first bench and he sat in after you, you couldn't get out. So there used to be like, so my mum was having a lot of affairs because she was so unhappy. So because of that, she neglected her role in looking after us. I have made my peace with this and we were close when she died in a sort of anti-friend relationship. I never really had a mum because my mum had to choose herself. Well, what, 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 did the church have a name? Church of the Nutters. I mean, you know, I could put it there. That's a that's a good one. No, uh, no. What I mean is, it's not because it's, it's, it's under the guise of born again Christianity, but it wasn't. It was a fraudulent. It was a fraudulent thing. It was oh. come in, give us all your money, follow all of our rules, and basically none of it's real, which is what it turned out to be. He's not in that church anymore. Tithing. Yeah, I don't know what that word means. Well, tithe, well the American evangelists that the yeah. the the prosperity preachers work on. Tithing, where because in the Bible, you are meant to give uh, a percentage of your crop to the church, so it's a tithe okay. barn you'd have. Well, it's the other so, way around. So it was you, all of yeah, the crop. It's you, yes, exactly. Yeah. It's you, but that's 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 the basis for the rinse. Yeah, so yes. all of the crop though, yeah. not a bit of it, yes. all of it. Yes. So we went from we went from quite comfortable to nothing. Free school dinners, secondhand clothes, wow. literally. Like I scoured the local tip to find furniture for my bedroom because there was nothing in it. Have you ever had the conversation with your dad to say, you know, what happened? Why did you suddenly become engulfed in this cult? I did, and it started off with a punch in the face that knocked him over a flight of stairs, and he was well due it, and he apologised to me. At what age was this? Oh, this would have been about... I'm 43 now, so it would be maybe 20 years ago, early doors. Uh, yeah. And, um, uh, yeah, he is, but he wasn't sorry then, but he was still in it. He's sorry now. So it's amazing how... So, sorry, let, let me just get to that because yeah. I've got this image of an eight-year-old child. Yeah. A small girl being, having hands laid upon her. It's abuse. It's a yeah, blow. It's, yeah, yeah. yeah. For, for this idea that she's yeah. got the devil inside of her because she's got a headache. And then, I, and then I see this person in front of me who's obviously strong and driven and determined and had an awareness at the time that this wasn't normal. Yeah. 
And then I come to that point where as you grow up, there would have been a stage where you confront him. Yeah. What you said is that confrontation began when you smacked him in the face. Yeah, that's right. What made you smack him in the face instead of just say, why did you do this? Because no words would mean anything to him. And we jumped ahead to that. So basically, so we're at, we're, at, we're at eight now. Eight, nine and ten and eleven just get worse. And it just gets worse and worse. However, it becomes very clear to me that he is no longer following any of the rules of what he's preaching, even though we're living under these rules. And I would find in his bedroom piles of porno mags underneath his bed or whatever. And I would literally think, you are an absolute fucking bastard. Like, you are here, like, telling my mum she can't wear makeup, she can't do this, she can't do that. You're destroying my toys. And there's a terrible, terrible story, which I've never, ever told, ever before. And... um, because he was obsessed with false idols, that anything was a false idol. I've got a, a, a phone in front of me now, and this would be a false idol. It would be a portway to somewhere bad, mm. right? But funnily enough, a Playboy underneath the bed is fine. Maybe maybe it was Mary Magdalene in there, I don't Hypocrisy know. is but, always part of this mix, yeah. always. So, leading up to Christmas, so we used to have to hide Christmas because he was empty, all that kind of stuff. And my mum worked really hard to try and give us a Christmas. And... Um, we didn't get much, but I really wanted a Care Bears, a little tiny Care Bear. My brother wanted an electric guitar and my grandparents had paid for them for the guitar for my brother. And my dad used to go to his church on the Sunday morning and so we would have the secret Christmas, this little Christmas. And um, she got it all out and stuff, put up the little tree and it would all come down again, but just for that moment. And my brother had this, uh, he swears he doesn't remember this, which I think says a lot about mm. the fact that he's blacked it out because we have talked about it and he accepts that it happened but he does not remember this day and uh and and we're very cool like he backs everything that i say and he backs everything about what we do and stuff so but he he doesn't remember this incident but i remember it clearly and um this christmas morning he came back early whilst we were there with our presence and this man of god came in and destroyed everything in the room including and i'll never forget it breaking my brother's purple electric guitar over his knee and throwing it out and right then and there i knew that i was leaving and i was never coming back what happened to him wait, wait I, as you said you, you you've had this confrontation with yeah. him and he apologized years after yeah when he apologized did he say look i had a breakdown or I believed in it, or I thought it was the right thing, and I just got it wrong. What happened? Worse than that, he apologised for how I felt. He's one of those, because he doesn't remember it. Um, He then went on to, um, once the money ran out, and once the church sort of moved on, and I don't really understand his religion these days, that it's not a a strict religion, whatever his religion is. But um, at that time, that day, that day he also punched my mum in the face and ripped her dress off her in front of us. And I sat there going, I don't care what you say, no God would recommend this was the way to go. Did your mum leave him? Sadly not, which was one Mm. of the biggest tragedies. She Mm. stayed with him for 30 years. She left him when she was 47 and she actually died seven years later. So she actually hardly had any time, any time... She didn't know she was gonna she was gonna die, but she died. So she would have been fifty three or fifty four, seven years, whatever that well, is. What was her relationship with you and your brother like? After Very distant. All of 
very distant because I had so I'd switched off so so I couldn't forgive her at the time for allowing it to happen so I mean that incident there she was innocent of like you know she was the victim, a victim yeah. she was a victim too yeah. so she used to have these um I don't know if you remember them but do you remember those little tiny um you'll know them they're like ceramic bonsais you know those little tiny ones who used yeah. to come in a little pot yeah and she used to love them and he would literally just grab them and lob them all over the house and I always remember hearing this cry why can't I have anything nice like if she had it it would destroy it do you think that may have you know you have this association with glamour yeah. do you think that might have moved you towards that appreciation of, of the more glamorous things that he would have not allowed well basically I've been blessed that I look like my mum and that helps give you a starting point to work with if you want to be glamorous if that is the word my mum was very glamorous and she liked to be glamorous even though he didn't like that so like at home with a picture of my mum who's been dead now over 10 years I underneath that I have like two little false eyelashes that she used to wear because that's kind of what she was like and so I've sort of inherited that but no what happened was because it was the 80s and I would be able to escape to neighbours' houses. Um, the 80s was full of strong female programming from British soap operas to American soap operas. And what I noticed is that all those women were not being treated like my mum. Those women were strong. Those women a were bosses. Those women place. were in charge. They were yeah. nobody's punch bag. And I guess that I would say that I was probably... Not probably. I was raised by television in a sort of surrogate space. Oh. So I would go next door. I would go to different places. And I, what I learned from the world, I learned from television. And I definitely inherited that strong female gene that it is for me best foot forward. Well, that was your face. Well, right? your <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I did I mean, warn you. Yeah. No, and I get it. I get it. It's, it's such an all-encompassing word, though, isn't it? Childhood yeah. means so many things. It doesn't just yeah, mean no, age. It doesn't no. mean progression. No. It means memories. Yeah, well, and those safety. memories it should mean safety. Yeah, but those exactly. memories are always tainted with the filter of yeah. who you are as an adult when you're looking back, positive and negative. Yeah, absolutely. But we do have to move on to your second word. Ready to move on to my second word. Um, now, tell us what it is before we discuss it further. Fate. Tony, tell us. Yeah, what fate is. there's not a great deal other than, it'll be, other than what's so apparent in the word. There's another word, destiny, and the, those two are often used interchangeably, but they do have distinct connotations. Interesting thing that I found in the etymology of the word, because um, fate obviously means a person's lot or destiny, preordained course of life. But it also means one's guiding spirit. It's from an old French word, which actually comes from that which is ordained, which is spoken by the gods. So it has the an oracle connotation to it, that, that your life is spoken for you. Which is an interesting definition considering that your life and what you were presented with during your childhood is definitely not the life or the fate that you followed. Well, the rest of my life, since the start of my life, has been massively dictated to by fate. So 
how do you get from being homeless on an estate, which is what I was, I was living in a squat, to a Bond girl's apartment. So the pathway of that was a really funny story, and I'll try and tell it short, but again, it was fate. So I arrived in London, and I was determined that I was going to make it. So steely determination, knew I was going to do it. It didn't happen. I tried everything. I tried to get into television. I tried to get into music. It was very naive. This was before the internet. This was before social media. This was before anything. This is the 90s when really, you know, you, you had to write a letter or you had to whatever. Or it was very nepotistic. You know, somebody knew someone or whatever. All I could get was a, was a, was a job handing out flyers. That's all I got. And I was glad to get it. And I would hand out flyers, exhibitions, uh, whatever. And I decided that I, I had read when I was younger, when my mum was a cleaner, because again, cause my dad didn't bring any money in. She used to take us on cleaning rounds. And in order to keep me quiet, she used to let me choose a book from the library. And rather than get The Worst Witch or Spot the Dog, I used to get Jackie Collins novels, which brings us to Jackie, which is where I sort of learned about women that didn't kowtow and didn't do what they were told. And one book that I read in specific was called Rockstar. And I had this sort of image of like, oh, it'd be great to be a female music manager considering I loved Top of the Pops and I wasn't allowed to watch it, but I would like sneak next door to watch Top of the Pops every Thursday. And um, I was handing out flyers and I tried to get a job at different places uh, and record labels and 19 management and Warner. I tried everything. I'd offered to work for free. I was, I'd, I was, I'd offered to do it. I couldn't get anywhere. Couldn't even get a runner's job. Couldn't get anything. I was living in a bedsit in Streatham and uh, it was 50 quid a week all in and I was like scraping by. I think I had like four or five credit cards at the time. God knows how I got them. It was back in that scandal era where they would hand you out anything and then they would lend you another and another and I was about £50,000 in debt. It was bad. So I'm at the station, Euston Station, and I'm handing out, I think, I'm not sure if this will exist, Oceana drinks which were red and I'm handing them out at Euston and in my head I'm thinking I'm going back I'm done I'm going back to Manchester I'll just live the life I'll marry a Terry Duckworth type from Coronation Street and I'll just have a nice time and I'll accept it and it'll be what it'll be and I worked for an agency it was in Teddington that handed out flyers and I was handing out this drink and a celebrity a female celebrity walked past me at the top of the Euston concourse and I was handing out these drinks samples knocked it over me and I was wearing white and I was literally covered in it and I looked to her for an apology and she went get a real job loser it's a really famous woman she's still famous to this day and I want to say who it is no I don't want to say it today because she's not worth the airtime and um, should we guess (laughs) should we guess hang on no (laughs) hang on just as a a human being I can understand knocking a drink on somebody and just no she said that to me that's she said that to that me. That was maybe really fucking... That's what she said to me. Yeah. a real job. But I will add, I was a lot more attractive than she was. So, I stepped back and thought, fuck this for a game of soldiers. I'm done. So I walked back to the concourse at Euston Station, covered in this drink, and I'm like, I'm ready to go. I'm done. I've given it my all. I've done everything I've tried it's not meant to be this this dream that I've had from this Jackie Collins book that I read on my mum's cleaning round and and whatever is just a dream it's not going to happen and I go backstage and I'm getting not backstage back behind the Euston concourse and I'm getting changed and I get a phone call from 
the agency, which is where fate comes into this, and the agency says, are you free tomorrow? And I was just about to say, actually, I'm going, but not And I went, why? And they said, have you ever been a camera assistant? And I went, yes. No idea what one was. And they went, do you know what Elstree Studios is? And I went, yeah, I live just near it. No idea where it is. And they said, I could get there tomorrow at 10. And I was like, okay. Now, I had no idea what I was doing or where I was going, but I was saying yes. So the next day, three trains, two buses or wherever it was uh, to get there, I walked to Elstree Studios and I walk up to the Elstree gates and the guy checks my name on the door and he says, OK, you're going through there. And I'm stalling out thinking, oh, my God, this is Elstree Studios. I think this is where they made Star Wars. And I can see all these sets and I can see all this stuff. And I walk down and I get checked in and I get sent to another corridor and I walk into the corridor and I see like the East Ender sets over to one side and I see these pictures of like Betty Davis and all these famous films and I'm thinking this is really serious I don't know what I'm going to do but it's just going to be big and this woman comes up to me she says oh this is where you're working today and I looked up and there was the program that my dad had banned us from watching top of the pops and I walked through the door and they said oh you're on camera six immediately thought fucking hell camera six i've no idea what i'm gonna do so i walked up to the guy on camera six and obviously everybody yes. you know a cable basher is sure, sure, sure. and uh well i didn't so he said oh, okay let's get going and like so we're in a rehearsal kylie minogue's over there john bon jovi's over here like, aerosmith's there and i'm like, literally like in this room thinking as close as we are now i've just come from this to this i'm in this room and he looked at me and i looked at him and he looked at me and I looked at him and he went, you don't know what you're doing, do you? And I went, I've got absolutely no idea. And he went, it's okay, just sit it out. So I went and stood over to the side and I watched the rehearsals and I couldn't believe that. I was in this room with all these A-list stars. And what I noticed that I thought was really interesting is that the managers and the pub assistants, none of them were around because it was just the rehearsal. And they just were sort of on their own. And I sort of was watching the performances. I've always had a really good eye stuff. And I was thinking, that light doesn't look great. That wind machine doesn't look great over there. That isn't great. And I thought, they're never going to ask me back, ever. They know I can't do this job. I'm here for one day. I'm going to have a story to tell the kids. I'm going to do it. So I went up to every pop star that I thought I had an opinion on and told them what I thought of their performance. Imagine that. A 19-year-old nobody yeah. walking up to Kylie Minogue and going, do you know in the middle of the chorus, the lights make your hair look blue and it just didn't look great. I'm telling someone else, you know that wind machine, it kind of gives you a stomach. Do you want to watch the monitor? Nobody dared say anything like that. So literally, they all loved it. It was really weird. They loved it. And at the end of the day, so we did the rehearsal and then we did the show. It must have been in the top of the pop studio at the night. I never did, never lifted a cable, didn't do a thing. And then they said, see you next Thursday. And I went, really? And they went, yeah. And I sort of became like a sort of unofficial yeah. sort of fluffer to the sort of yes. stars, but more of a rougher than a fluffer because I would literally say what I thought. Was that the just the confidence and naivety of youth where you didn't know you didn't know the rules and you didn't know or did you think I'm in and I've nothing to lose and I'm gonna I'm in and I'm definitely not going to be invited back and I don't know that I'm not supposed to say this so I'm just going to tell you the truth and that's what I did and it happened to be that on that day Claire Richards and Steps were on and Claire Richards was one of the girls that came from the band into the rehearsal studio and watched everybody else not a lot of bands did that and she and I just hit it off and then 
they were on a lot because they had a lot of hits and over about three or four months and stuff she would come in she'd say what do you think and we used to have a sort of get a, a bet and I would always get the chart positions right and I'd be like that is a, that's a bomb that's a hit I was brilliant with it I knew I could tell straight away and uh, she said you make a brilliant manager brilliant manager and I said as if anyone's ever going to hire me step two of fate she said if I ever leave steps I'll give you a call I was like of course you will whatever okay job comes to an end somebody finally realizes that i don't actually have a real job at the top of the pops and just hanging out with stars is not actually worth paying me for and i lose the job so i'm now back in a studio bed set can't get another job even having done four new four years top of the pops nothing's really happening i'm getting ready to go i'm on the phone to the bankruptcy courts and basically saying like how can i go bankrupt some 50 grand's worth of debt and uh they give me all the advice and the phone rings and it's claire and she said i'm ready i said ready for what and she went i'm ready for you to manage me she sent a car for me to go to our house and i arrived at our house and i managed her within six weeks of managing her i had a roster of about another six acts and within Within the first year, we turned over a million. And within, to be gross, it's, no, it's relevant, I guess, the money is relevant. The, the agency that I founded, which I founded through opening a magazine and sort of trying to find a word, there was a trainer that said urban, and there was someone else that said associates. Uh, we turned over 20 million, and it became the biggest boutique agency that there was. And none of that would have happened had it not have been for fate of someone sending me that day because if that woman hadn't have knocked that drink over me I probably would have said no I'm not I'm not working tomorrow because I'd been at Euston all day I was freezing cold it's freezing being a promotion girl standing outside on a concourse but because she knocked me down and then he said that and then I said yes and I'd walked in and there was the program and then why was she there that day and why did she like me and why was there a connection and why did she make that call of all the people that she could have called she could have called anyone she could have called Jonathan Shallot she could have called Simon Cowell she could have called anyone she called me and gave me her career and entrusted me to bring her back into the limelight me that was a civilian and suddenly I was inside the rope Two things of that story that strike me. One is the absurd rudeness of somebody who knocks a drink over you and believes that because of whatever society status fame gives you, you can treat people like shit, which I've always hated. And I was interested in in how that changes your perception when you're then on the other side and you're managing people and you're going into a room where there's runners or people outside the ropes or promotion people whether you have learned the grace to give to them that little bit of space but the other thing that struck me in that is within 24 hours the ability to shape someone's life was in the hands of two people one who spilt your drink and was rude and was prepared to put you down to try and make them feel good and then the other one, the cameraman, who's given this assistance, who's clearly shit, doesn't know what she's doing, and instead of going, all right, just get out and yeah. I'll get someone else, is going, you know what, know. it's all right, we've all, we've all done it, just, I'll, I'll carry the load, I'll do the job. I know. And I'll let you just stay because I can tell what it lovely means guy. something. Yeah. He's the hero. Yeah. And I went on to know him, and as I, and as I went on through the ranks, and got higher and higher and higher and had stars in all big shows and stuff and he would we would always smile and I would be sat in like the VIP area with the client areas and stuff and he'd always wave up and like there was never any yeah. never any sort of 
what it made me think was about, about your choice of the word fate was how it's it's a retrospective view because all I think all of us live a th- of a thousand potential lives that we lead every day. Do you know what I mean? If you, bumping into that woman who spilled the thing, you, you might not have done that. You might you might have had another experience that had led yeah. you inevitably to where you've you've ended up, and it's those opportunities for both good and bad in our lives and those choices making making choices on that it's it seems to me that it's after a, a bit of you've got a few years of life on your back that you can see how things how those rivers have flowed to bring you to where you are because we're all a constant fluid reality aren't we our, our fates are all constantly shifting I think the only reason that I mentioned the turnover of that company as well was because of the fact that I'd been written off by absolutely yes. It's tangible. I'd been written off at school. I was in the lowest set for maths. I was told I would never achieve anything. I did work experience at a record shop when I was 15. It was the only experience that I could think of to get myself into the industry. The headmaster called me into his office and said, we want you to know that your decision to work in a record shop is an embarrassment to the school and a representation of just how little a distance in life you will go. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes, but let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. And in that record shop, I learned what made fans tick, what made them want to buy records, whatever. And I was able to use that knowledge when I was on the floor in that room. It's all, it's all to to me, you know, layers. It's all, you know, we can all go through our lives going, this little experience, give me another layer on the onion, another layer, another layer. Money is one tangible way of showing success. So when you've so, had none, so I think, yeah, yeah. So I well, think, it, I yeah. think the way you you brought that into the conversation, I never felt that it was it no, was being a braggart. No. I felt no, it no, 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 it's it's not, not in any way. But it's what it actually is. What it actually is. What it actually is is a it's a language that your detractors understand only too well, and it's a and it's a great source of it's the most direct form of punishment. Yeah, it is the again. It's defi- but to say, it's, I'll show you. But you are, again, show you. again, it's defiance. So yeah. it's there in you. It, you you've got defi- it's controlled. Yeah. It's it's intelligent and it's focused and it's driven. But it's defiance and defiance in people. I know people with defiance of them usually leads to reckless abandonment 
I know people have had terrible starts to life, a different formulation from yours, and they've just gone, fuck. Yeah, you the go, whole t- life. it's two ways. It's two ways. So mine's, I'll teach you, I'll show you. I, I'm a big believer in revenge. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. That's right. not your third word, is it? No. no. <laughs> well, we, we have got to move on to your yeah. third word. So, my third word is young. Young. Okay. Tony. Okay. Young. Well, okay. Well, y- a- young. Can I just get, get it? Young. Y O U N G. Young. Not, not the philosopher. Young. We, well, it's the same root. Young is the German. Old High German word. J U N G. Okay, so not a great deal. Obviously, young, it uh, speaks for itself. The etymology, it's uh, youthful, young, recent, new or fresh from the proto-German word. Our greatest export to the world is our language. And the reason is that we've been able to take in other languages, subsume them, take them in and adapt. So we've, uh, we've got Latin, we've got Norse, Germanic words. The Greek behind that... But the, the basic root of all, uh, all is a proto-Indian European language. That's right at the root of all the languages. I'll be interested to hear what aspects of the word young you take on. The definition that I suspect we might be talking about is having the appearance of freshness, vigour and other qualities of youth. So, so come on, what context are you using the word young? So with? I'm using the context of young in a phrase that I really fucking hate. And it comes from men that are trying to chat you up, right? And it is, hello, young lady. Do you ever say that to anyone? Do I ever Let's say- take out the chat out bit. Do you ever say to a woman, when you're trying to give them a positive, young lady, do you ever? Do I ever say yeah. young lady? <laughs> do you ever? I'm not Victorian. No, no but do I'm you never- ever? Think, but do you ever like you know when you're talking to her? Maybe you might think she's an older woman, or maybe she's a white answer. Do you ever use it? Do Do I ever, in order to compliment someone, do I ever suggest that yeah. they're younger? Do you ever use that phrase? I don't think I do. No, I don't. don't no, uh, uh, it is so but, widespread. But but I'm sorry. It's a, so so you, the idea that youth is a compliment, saying someone. Like, like I, there's, there's this right. thing where, I mean, I do this quite a lot. Right. You know, if someone says, how old are you? Right. And I go, well, I'm 53. Yeah. And then if I get nothing back, I'll go, yeah. let's just stop. Minute. Can we stop? I'll tell you it again. Yeah. And that's your yeah. opportunity yeah, to, to say, go, oh, my don't. God, you yeah. don't look 53. Yeah. Right. So that, there's a joke in it. But in terms of in terms of this idea of, of patronising a woman or yeah. in terms of an idea of say, suggesting that a woman's age is a negative thing yeah. i'm actually i don't think like that and and it's funny because i've been doing some stand-up about it well i recently. wondered whether it was a stand-up thing that's why i wondered whether it was in there oh no so, because in my in my yeah. stand-up that i've been doing recently i've been talking about the fact that i've been with melanie for as long as i've been with melanie yeah. and and like like and if we if if i had to split up and start again i'd be no good yeah because because I, I, everything stopped yeah. So when I started going out with it, so I haven't I haven't chatted anyone up right. for thirty odd years. I wouldn't know how to do it. Well, if you, you ever did, I mean? if anything ever happened, never call him young. Can, can I, just before we make it the gender specific thing, I, I, I just see if that's any resonance with you. I was in a, a painting and decorating shop in Brighton on Saturday with my builder and a guy. I'm fifty eight, and the guy that was talking to me, I would imagine that again, it'd be just before retirement age, mid sixties. 
and I asked him a question and it, uh, where something he said it's over there, young man, and I immediately bristled, and then. Uh, I said, I'm not sure. He said, "There, young man," and on the, he said it four times. Right, and I th- and it felt pointed and demeaning. I took a bit of time to think. Well, no, it's it's endearment, and it's but it wasn't. Right, it was it was placing me. So on a woman, right? When a guy, well, so like, I mean, you know, and we don't need to do the age card here. But I am younger than both of you, even though you look amazing. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Whether it's routine maintenance and emergency repair or a dream project, Angie lets you browse homeowner reviews, compare quotes from multiple local pros, and even book a service instantly. So the next time you have a home project, just Angie that and start getting the most out of your home. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot um, like I am not old enough to hear that I am young enough for it to be mentioned, right? So I'm 43, which does not feel like I need to be told that I look younger than I am. Mm. Like because by telling me that I look younger than I am, you're making me feel older, right? And men do it all the time. So I'm single, so like you literally get. So like, oh, you're looking really lovely, young lady. And they think that you're going to go, oh, that is so nice of you. Oh, oh, what are you? I'm amazed. Who are you, I'm talk- are you talking to? <laughs> All the time. Where? Young lady. Anywhere. Why is come here, young lady? No. Are you just getting off with Victorian? No, no, yeah. no, seriously. It happens all the time. From a particular all type what, of men? All, no. Conservative MP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, here, it's brain no. Conservative White van man to... No to, way. To, seriously, it happens all so the time. So for a start, for a start, yeah. it appears, just listening to this, that, yeah. that young lady, come here, young lady, or yeah. you, you look <laughs> nice, young lady. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It, it, me up. Why yeah, do you I think I listed it? This is why I listed it. Yeah, yeah but, but it appears that universally men think you, you look younger than what you are. Or, or you want no, to or do they phrase? think I need to hear that? Or, you, or, you, or they feel that you that I think to I need to okay. hear it. So that if I no. hear that, it's going yeah. to make me interested in the fact that, oh, they think I look young. Or I might go for you're it. The fir- you're, the first, <laughs> you're, you're the first guest that's brought a, a word in that's uh, I'm, completely flummoxed me. Because, I, I, as John said, t- to me, saying young lady is... is not of it's not of our time. It's I get completely it. Anachronistic. All I can't imagine any man saying time, all the time. Oh, I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it this afternoon. You're going to get it in a restaurant. Some, got... some waiter is going to say it to me. <laughs> Hello, young yeah. lady. <laughs> like a drink, young lady. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even joking. Are you a doctor? No, I, I bet you don't. I Today's the day. I will tweet you, and it will happen. Like literally, so I get in an Addison Lee. Where to, young Hello, lady? Young Hello, young lady. <laughs> <laughs> you do realise no, no. everybody that hears no, this from now that's on. That's it from now yeah, on. From now no. Anyone yeah, who ever needs Melanie Blake, please go. Hello, no, young lady. <laughs> no, because it comes with, well, you look lovely, young lady. And you're like, 
Fuck this is off. why I'm in it. I'm 85. Well, say you look, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I did, don't there's know. a thing, though. Is it, is it the insult of youth? Is it the idea the that, that they it, think I need to hear that in order for me to feel good about yeah, myself? Then suggest- that's what I mean. Is it the insult of youth? Is, is yeah. it the insult that, 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 that youth is not the prize? Is their reference point? Is that in their heads, I'm no longer young. So by calling me young, I'm going to be complimented. But is it is it that thing where, as a society, then we we, and you Probably mentioned this is. a little bit earlier before yeah. in some some of your some of your writings and some of the the, the narratives you derive from the yeah. strong characters of people like Jackie Collins books yeah. when you were growing up that idea that that the the greatest thing a woman can be is young and beautiful yeah, because after that you're invisible. That's right. Because and, and after that, that you're invi- and, and the age of invisibility yeah. in our lifetime has changed because when I was. In my childhood, women became invisible in their mid thirties to forties, and looked correct. and looked and looked. So, so, so it seems to me that young lady is <laughs> is is that you're being reassured on the last thing that anybody wants to be reassured yeah, on, right. or I'm being reminded. Reminded of how many? How many um, people go up to nineteen year old girls? Another young, young lady. lady. <laughs> no, 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 they don't because they're nineteen. But but but, but th- this is the thing. Do you therefore? And th- this is interesting, and and it's an interesting thing again for me as a, a if you like a commentator of my own life. Yeah. But I I did some stand up about about mentally going through the menopause and yeah. and living with someone going through the menopause, and I got some people going, you know. Is she happy with that? Is she not? And I, and I went, you know what? And well, I, never, I never even asked her because I'm living it. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm talking about my life that we're living. And she found it funny, but it was also yeah. like a hidden topic yeah. that yeah. nobody was talking about. Was HLT, though? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because obviously without it, then... It changed, yeah, but yeah. it changed. But it took her a while to do yeah, that, to decide difficult. to go on yeah. it. Because of all the, the permutations well, it's the that were associated. that runs the body. I mean, people don't really yes. understand oh, that. Yeah, so um, I, I, get all, that, yeah. Yeah. I, I get all of that, but yeah. it's this thing where, and, and again, I, I saw a great thing that Davina McCall did the other day, talking yeah. to a uh, menopause specialist, saying that, you know, ultimately being diabetic is is having a, a an insulin deficiency it's having an imbalance and you get treated for that it's a it's a physical thing it's yeah, got yeah, nothing to do chemical imbalance yeah, it's got nothing no. to do with Friends anything else apart yeah. from just get yeah. these balances right yeah. so sorry let me just yeah, come yeah. on to the point i was trying yeah. to say is that there is an age or there is a time where being an older lady felt like you were done now and maybe it's just because i'm in that zone yeah. being in your 50s now feels like being in your 30s that's right yeah. 20 years ago that's right and and everything that i expect from my life is completely different than what my dad expected when he was 50 100%. but also when i look at a at women now both sexually and and intellectually i'm not at all and I don't want to be derogatory to anyone. I'm not yeah. at all interested in anyone under 25. I'm not no, at all no. like, oh, that's it. Because yeah, I yeah. think a full woman is a different thing that's now right. than what it used to be perceived to be. Yeah. Is that, is that fair? No, no, no. I so think in that, and also the so, other thing you find out as, as many is I remember the thought and having it, the conversation where I thought when I'm 58, for example, will I find women in the 50s attractive? Or, and the answer is yes. The answer is yes, it does, it does go so, through with you. So what you're both saying is what 
brings me to my problem. Yes. Because basically, so I'm obviously in a room with two men that wouldn't do that, right? But out there, there are men doing it yeah, yeah. all the time. They're, and it is giving yeah. me shade. Yeah. And it's yeah. under the but guise they're, of they're, a compliment. The diffs. I know. Well, I know that, yeah. but I can't control everyone that I come across. No, no, exactly. Well, that's my point. So, but that's yeah. what, and I'm just like, you don't, you just don't get it, do you? You're calling me old. You're trying to say that I'm young. You're just clumsy, a metal yeah. clumsy, right? You're trying to chat me up and you've just really took it. Yeah. You couldn't possibly go any further in the wrong direction. You know what? No, after, after... I think I think it's either it might be cultural, it might be uh, where we're from, but we've we've met a lot of people in different walks of life. If we go up for a drink now, yeah. afterwards we go, we're in a bar, yeah. and somebody comes home and says, "You're looking." What would the young lady, young lady like? That I would be, I'd be <laughs> fucking mortified. Well, trust me, when we go out one day, it will happen. It happens all the time. Wow. Well, that's why it was on my list. I, I, I'm glad it is because having the, the the words that we've had, you know, childhood and yeah. fate, were were. I just when you said young, I just didn't know where we were going to go. No, the no. last thing I thought it was going to be was shitty yeah. chat up lines. Yeah, from Victorian so, gentlemen. <laughs> but they're not. No, I no, get it. No, I get it. absolutely. That's I an get eye it. opener. I get it. It's a judgment. Yeah. And, and 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 it is a thing that I think. From... Oh, I think we yeah we com- both completely get it. I just think we're both gobsmacked that there are people still that can it's tie the shoelaces. But even worse that they it. think it's going to work. Well, Mel. Right. No, Honestly, this has been great. We've had three fantastic examples of how language matters from somebody who's built a life and a career on language. But there's one thing that we need to do now is to ask you for one word you will gladly never hear again. And I've had that discussion of young lady. I can't wait (laughs) to hear what this word is. So the word that I would like to get rid of in every way, shape and form is entitlement. Now, would you like to get rid of entitlement as a thing, get rid of entitled people, or would you like or to get the rid word. of... Or the word and the, the word, judgment that that brings The word it? and the... The word and the request that it brings, which is that I am entitled to. Not the entitled above, but that I am entitled to. So what I think I'm due... You owe me. Mm. That's where I'm at with entitlement. In our new world, that is everywhere you turn. So let's flip back to my original childhood. Everything that could go wrong went wrong for me. I did not put my hand out and tell me, you owe me. Mm. I went Mm. and did it. If I had something happen to me tomorrow... They meant I couldn't write anymore or I couldn't manage anymore. I wouldn't ring those clients that I'd made all that money for. Or I wouldn't ring that publishing house and go, I can't do this anymore, but you owe me that. And I feel that we are surrounded now in this entitled culture, which is I want it. And because I want it, Unearned. you're going to give it to me. And then I'm going to use every trick in the book to make you feel that you should. You know what? I totally, totally agree with you. There's nothing worse than entitlements, and you see it everywhere, and 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 it, and it actually, it's a generational thing. Yeah. And I think there's also this thing as well, like that comes from the the showbiz culture of if you want it, you can get, get it. it. Yeah. It's not yeah. like go. Hang on, you it. might want it, but yeah. you might be shit. Yeah. 
you know what I mean? And you might you, have to you, do some work. You might have to do some work, and you might have to realise that your talents yeah. don't like it in that area, and you may have to face the fact that a lot of people are hungrier than you, and they're better than you, and you can't have what you want, so, so go and do something else. you're not entitled to it. You're not entitled mm. to it. No. I, I, listen, I agree with you. I think entitlement, mm -hmm. honestly, and I'm so glad that as a young lady you've brought that up. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I try. See, he would have done that anyway. Yeah. Yeah. No, honestly, Melanie, that's a great way. And of it's finishing everywhere. It's absolutely yeah. Yeah. everywhere. Yeah. And like, literally, Just doesn't matter what form or what area, someone somewhere yeah. has got their hand out, going, "You owe me." Just this. for the avoidance of doubt. That has been my favourite word, never to hear again. And it would be certainly be one that I'd put into the bin. To summarise this, you know, I think it's a real, it's a poignant thing that you choose entitlements as a way to, to get yeah. rid of because it's, it's a thing that you clearly haven't lived your life like that. No. And you wouldn't be here, you wouldn't be the success that you are if you didn't have that drive. And also that self-awareness and I think from this conversation that, that I've had with you, and I know Tony's known you before, that's what shines out. You know who you are, you're yeah. comfortable in your own skin, yeah. and you want more for your life than you what your life is going to give you, and you've made it happen. Mm. And anyone listening to this who's not sure they can do it, you know, they may not know someone who's a Bond girl who's going to give them a flat, but they'll have no. a pen and a piece of paper, and if you want to do it... Yeah. Spill some it. pop on somebody in Houston Station. Yeah. Well, well, no, that only happened after the Travel Box thing, so it didn't happen earlier. I still had to do all the other stuff to meet that Bond girl, so yeah, it was all yeah. a fake thing. But, yeah. yeah, I mean, thing for me, for, to wrap up on mine, it was so lovely to be a guest on this because I, I love what you're doing and I love the fact that these words take us to places where we wouldn't necessarily go. I mean, I do find it really interesting that by the way that you've chosen to do the format, it takes us to a place where what do we think about those words and what do they mean to us? And like, I had to sort of prep and think about what I wanted to say. Mm. And it's the first time I felt confident uh, and comfortable to talk about those Brilliant. stories because they are words that have those emotions for me. But what I find that I would like to experience more in my life is that people are able to do what I can do, which is put that there and then move on to there. Yeah. And I do find that there's a lot of, crossover between people that just can't do that yep. and i find that frustrating in life and i'd like people Duh. to just sort of go just because Fantastic. it was bad doesn't mean it has to be bad Duh. for the future it can change at any time don't let your past dictate your future 100 percent. i definitely think that's 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 the epitaph there for me brilliant what a great way of finishing melanie thank you thanks mel thanks for having me well i don't know what to say about that tony i mean i didn't know melanie but what a story I'll tell you what I've taken from that. The next time that I'm out and about in London town, I'm going to sidle up to the first attractive woman I see and say, good evening, young lady. Y young lady. <laughs> see how that goes. <laughs> no, fantastic story and a great story of somebody making something of their life. Bonk buster. I hope that you enjoyed that episode of Three Little Words as much as we did. I absolutely love doing this show with Tony and the guests have been brilliant. Don't forget to subscribe, follow, leave us a review, recommend us to any of your friends. This podcast was brought to you by our partner, Quorn. Super protein, super tasty.
Hey, it's Guy Raz here, the host of How I Built This, a podcast that gives you a front row seat to how some of the biggest products were built and the innovators, entrepreneurs, and idealists behind them. Every week, I speak to someone new, stories like Justin Wolverton's, a lawyer who just wanted a healthy alternative to ice cream, so he created Halo Top in his Cuisinart. Or Todd Graves, who grew his fried chicken restaurant Raising Cane's into one of the most successful fast food chains in the U.S. All of these great conversations can help you learn how to think big, take risks, and navigate crises in life and work from people who've done all of that and more. Follow How I Built This on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to How I Built This early and ad-free right now on Wondery Plus.